Welcome into Tailgate, the Black Monday edition of Tailgate. Austin Gale here with Mike Renner in sunny Cincinnati, ready to rip it up. It's Black Monday, not because coaches are getting fired, because the Raiders are in the fucking playoffs, baby. Let's <laughs> go. Let's go. I was, we'll get to that game, but that was all-time. an all-time game for me. That was one of the most important games, because everyone brings up one of the most important games of my adult fandom. Mm-hmm. Everyone brings up the 2016 season. They went to the playoffs then. What? Dude, that season was over when Derek Carr broke his leg. Yeah. He broke his leg on Christmas Eve, and it was over. Like, I didn't care about any game after that. There was, it was awful. And before then, it was 2002, right? I mean, it was, it, this was a monster game. Derek Carr, Raiders, Max Crosby shows up. That's why it's Black Monday. But we also want to talk a lot about the coaching changes. Obviously, Brian Flores out in a huge surprise. Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, Vic Fangio, Mike Zimmer, Rick, Rick Spielman all out Right now, we're also going to look at the game-by-game breakdown, focusing more on you know the playoff competitive teams, teams that are still in the hunt, and the back end of the show, fun to read, save your likes, which was formerly fun to watch, watch Rookie of the Week, Black of the Week, and Cake Your Pants. But before I do so, we have a new presenting sponsor of the Tailgate Podcast, Manscaped. Originally a sponsor, now a presenting sponsor. They love Tailgate, and they love to help you download. Cheers to 2022 and resolutions you can actually keep. How about having clean and shiny balls all year round? Our sponsors at Manscaped are here to save your balls this year and make the ball drop into 2022 the cleanest and sexiest ever, Mike. Set your first New Year's resolution with good intentions and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code PFF for 20% off plus free shipping. Set your first New Year's resolution with good intentions. Join the, uh, I'm, re- I'm rereading that, but <laughs> go to manscaped.com and use code PFF for 20% off plus free shipping. This is uber important you need to groom down low if you're going into 2022 with high goals and you are like yeah i'm gonna treat my below the belt grooming needs with the same trash from last year you are not prioritizing yourself go to go get 20 percent off plus free shipping with code pff at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com use code pff it's new year no pubes in 2022 at manscaped we need to talk first brian flores Everyone, everyone on Twitter, everyone in the NFL is shocked by this news. Brian Flores, over the past two seasons, has the eighth-rate defense in EPA per play, with next to no pass rush, by the way, like retooling Emmanuel Ogba and Andrew Van Ginkle down low. And like adding a ton of, you know, they added um, uh, Byron Jones. They had to bring in Noe Benagini. They added Javon Holland, who's one of the highest-graded free safeties this year. He's done so much for that. And that's evident in the players, too. Doug Hyde, a reporter here at, NF, uh, at PFF, showing just all the Miami Dolphins fans or Miami Dolphins players just, like, appalled by this news. Make this make sense, Mike. I don't understand why Miami is out on Brian Flores. For my money, obviously, as now said here, not 100% certain what exactly was going down. But I would bet this comes back to kind of everything we heard last year about the Tua Tungvaluwa situation and him being forced to play him by whether it was ownership or Chris Greer, the GM, when he thought Ryan Fitzpatrick was the man for the job. He thought Ryan Fitzpatrick should remain the star. He was forced to play Tua Tungvaluwa, obviously caused a rift between Tua Tungvaluwa and him, a, a rift in the locker room between the players and Tua Tungvaluwa, and then that carried on into this season, making it untenable to where the dude won 10 games back in 2020, nine games this year, about 500 each of the last two seasons. Like no one in their right mind would actually fire him for on-field product. This one to me just screams, hey, like there was a rift and we, the ownership sided with Chris Greer instead of Brian Flores. When 
I, arguably, I would have gone the opposite way, but we don't know what's going on behind closed doors. This has nothing to do with the actual, like I said, what Brian Flores is doing as head coach. And I think he will be a head coach in 2021, 2022. Excuse me, Jesus. You're mm-hmm. ready. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel very certain about that. I do think that there's legitimate arguments to or like legitimate backing behind the criticism of like what they how they handled the quarterback situation, right? But we also don't know outside looking in how much ownership front office like played a part in that, right? Like was Flores given the keys to make the decision at quarterback and still waffled on to start to uh bring in two off the bench, start Ryan Fitzpatrick. That whole disaster was interesting. And then but like I wouldn't be surprised if front office or ownership was pushing him to, you know, kind of go different ways. I think he was pulling a handful of different ways with the quarterback position, was not helped particularly there. And I don't know. He, I, I tweeted out he's going to have head coaching offers in the next like eight hours. Like that's just a fact. Like yeah. he is going to be a hot, not a defensive coordinator candidate, not a go to college candidate. This is another head coach. The Bears make a ton of sense. Broncos make sense. I mean, he's going to go. He, I, I think he'll have choices multiple places. Like I honestly think he's going to have multiple options to go be a head coach again and relatively soon. Right? I think any team looking for a head coach has Brian Flores on their list. That's a fact. Yes. Other coaching candidates to talk about here. Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer, the GM of the Minnesota Vikings and the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings are out in Minnesota. This is, I mean, their hands were tied to Kirk Cousins. When they signed him to yeah. a three-year, $84 million deal in 2018, they go, they went as he went. One playoff berth, one playoff win, and one 10-win season. That's how it happened. And, and they've consistently, consistently failed versus expectations, failed versus preseason win totals. And that's... Last year, only mustering eight wins. This year, seven-ish wins, I think is what it was. Seven, eight wins. I don't even remember what their final record was. That, with how well Kirk Cousins has graded with adding Justin Jefferson, I just do think that ultimately Spielman and Zimmer you know, failed to exceed, hell, even meet expectations down the stretch. Yeah, the, it's, the interesting thing here is I don't think either are – bad at their jobs like I, I don't think either in terms of like the nfl hierarchy are i would even say below average nfl head coaches but like average nfl coach still doesn't get you like average nfl gm like you chase above average you chase elite you chase the best of the best that's how you win super bowls you you can if you chase average at that at those two positions you be kind of like the vikings have been in the past yeah. half decade you know which is like good but not good enough to actually seriously compete so i think that's the biggest thing here and obviously with the way that roster is trending in a bad situation they kind of went all in from a cap perspective um over the last handful of years with like you said kirk cousins and the writing was then on the wall after the we said here on the podcast a month ago after the lions game lose to the lions that was it didn't really matter how they salvaged their season that was going to be the end Eric Eager, who is a data scientist here at PFF, wrote a really good article on kind of like how it all fell out for the Minnesota Vikings. He's also like from Minnesota, or he's like he's got some Vikings ties. I don't really understand because he's a Chiefs fan, but he like tweets a lot about the Vikings. But he wrote a good article on like how this just didn't work I'm out. A sure lot he's of it from Minnesota, right? I think he is from yeah. Minnesota. But a lot of this is just like paying a good, not great quarterback, and then failing to like pick up cheap wins elsewhere in in fourth down decisions and drafting. Obviously, that's why Spielman is out. That's ultimately why it just didn't pan out in Minnesota. Now, the other thing I was going to add, Brad Spielberger, who is a reporter slash cap analyst here at PFF, the name he's consistently hearing, mm-hmm. Lane Kiffin, to oh. Minnesota. What's your reaction to that? That would be a sexy hire. I'm in. I would, I would. I'm in. I'm all in. I want Lane back in the NFL. Put it on a graphic. I want Lane back in the NFL. Put Lane Kiffin back on an NFL sideline. Kiffin, Minnesota. Harbaugh, 
to Chicago. No, raids. The storylines. The storylines there would be fantastic. I refuse. I refuse. Let's get to the Chicago Bears. Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy out in Chicago. This is another. This is another team where you can kind of, or another series of firings where you can kind of like clearly identified their bet, right? Like the, where they put their chips in and where they failed. They they went all in when they traded for Khalil Mack when they felt they had a franchise quarterback in Mitch Trubisky. Obviously, mm-hmm. a series of memes, an MVP, and terrible quarterback play later, they end up making a combination of like Nick Foles and. Justin Fields, and then here, they got a second throw-in, right? Like, so the first all-in was Mitch Trubisky, trade for Khalil Mack, let's try and push. And it failed. The last-ditch effort was this year, right? Hey, we're going to trade up for Justin Fields, and we're going to trade up for Tevin Jenkins, the offensive tackle at of Oklahoma State, and we're going to try and win as many games as we fucking can this year to try and show that we have like an ounce of life left. Matt Nagy ultimately waffles for no reason on who to start. Starts Andy Dalton, starts Justin Fields, and starts Andy Dalton down the stretch. Tevin Jenkins gets hurt, which doesn't help situation. They don't win a lot of games. Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy on that second chip push in, don't get it. And I, I, I'm not surprised by it. It obviously had to make sense. They had to reset there. I tweeted out the peak of the Matt Nagy era was when the fan, the high school kids were chanting at his son, fire Matt Nagy. Some people got really upset about that. Some people were really upset about that. I, I'll say this a thousand times. That is kids making jokes at other kids. If you have problems with that, I don't know what to tell you, man. Dude, those kids were in their bag, okay? My, my kid, the high school kids... Can let it rip. If it was adults, if it was like 18 plus chanting that stuff, that's kind of fucked. You have to have a better judgment than that. But if it's kids, light it up, dude. You that's, gotta light yeah, that up. I was up. gonna say that was tame by high school student section standards. Hey, there were yeah. ugly things going on. If you're in the high school student <laughs> section and you are a high school child, you need to be lighting that shit up. And that's that's just low hanging like fruit. That's low hanging curse fruit. words in it. So it by definition wasn't as bad as some could get. But just what I just said about Spielman though and Zimmer. I'm not sure I can necessarily say about this combo here leaving Chicago because you look at Pace's draft history, and this was overdue. Like we we talked about it last year that man, you can't really let this guy be making this big draft for you. And yeah, they got Justin Fields. We would have done the exact same thing. Don't hate that one too much. But then the trade up for Tevin Jenkins, mortgaging more cap, was one that we probably wouldn't have done at that point. But just looking at this, look at his, his first three first round picks were Kevin White. At number seven overall, Yikes. Leonard Floyd at number nine overall, and Mitch Trubisky at number two overall. And then multiple first round picks for Khalil Mack. And they started trading for their first rounders because they're like, well, fuck, we're not going to use them. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's who we're going to draft. We might as well get a guy we know is good. But no, I mean, that's that was your downfall. So they kind of, and I think. And they traded up for Trubisky. Remember, they went from three to two. Yeah. And so. Or four to three. They always, the sort of the, the line in House Hall past few years was, you know, they were evaluating pace based off of record and like they've been fine over that span in terms of record wise but the kind of writing was on the wall the underlying sort of foundation that this team was built on was literally all free agents Mm -hmm. was bound to crumble at some point because they were paying these guys all so much and that none of it was going to work once they had to pay a quarterback and it was only kind of working because Mitch Trubisky was on a rookie deal and they had so much had so many other impact players that they already were paying but now you're kind of it's, or it's coming to roost that this was not a talented roster and that they just had not drafted well enough to stay in contention. And I think both guys uh, at large fault there for Chicago. Man, what a disaster. I, mean, I still remember a video, like a promotional video from the Chicago Bears social media coming out where Ryan Pace on the phone with Khalil Mack and they're like high-fiving, like him and Nagy are high-fiving, like we got him, we got him. Like the, how life comes at you fast, dude. Life comes at you fast. My favorite was the people the year after the 
the Khalil Mack trade being like, oh, my God, we already got our first round pick. It's Khalil Mack. <laughs> and it's like next year, it's like, oh, is your first round of Khalil Mack again? <laughs> you know, like how many years are we going to keep saying this? Yeah, I have said this a thousand times. I think everyone has. The Raiders won from the jump the Khalil Mack trade from a process standpoint. Hey, they're in the playoffs. Fuck. And they're in the playoffs. I, I won't read into that, but whatever. <laughs> like, I mean, uh, Eagles are in the playoffs. Seahawks aren't. Was that Thago Whiteside a better pick than DK Metcalf? That's the rationale Second I round wide receivers don't correlate to wins. <laughs> um, but what I was going to say, the Raiders won that trade right off the jump from a process standpoint. Yeah. You, your roster wasn't in a position to compete deep in the postseason. Khalil Mack was, you know, obviously you're going to have to pay him a ton of money. And you got a Lions ransom. Is that even a thing? No. Jeez. A Lions share and a King's ransom. A, a King's ransom for Khalil Mack. And the same thing with Amari Cooper, right? Yeah. You got a lot, and you didn't have to pay him all that stuff. What they did with those picks was absolutely horrendous, setting up, you know, the garbage on fire. But the process was good. And for Chicago, you made a calculated risk, and it just failed. With Trubisky, it failed with, um, obviously, the... You know, Nick Foles move that they made. I mean, they just weren't able to keep the keep the lights on there. Let's get to Denver. Vic Fangio out. That was kind of writing on the wall as soon as he kicked that field goal, right? I mean, when he made the decision to kick the field goal fourth and nine on the thirteen yard line. Yeah. It was it was Sayonara, see you later, white flags, I'll, 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 I'm out of Denver, right? I mean that this that was uh that was a very conservative decision from Fangio. And I think his Hands were tied a bit behind his back with the quarterback situation, right? Like Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater is never mm-hmm. going to like help you out. And he even said that. Some people were giving him shit because his postgame presser, they asked him, what's the difference between Denver and the rest of the teams in the AFC West? He's like, well, the other three teams have good quarterback play. And like that's people were like, oh, man, he's being brutally honest. I'm like, No, that's like not brutally honest. That's just like fact. Like, so, Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater weren't good. And so much of your record, so much of your success is obviously tied to what they have under center, and they just never had it. Yeah. And this one... It sucks because Fangio was not – he's a very good coach. He is a very good defensive mind. He will be one of the highest-paid defense coordinators in the NFL next year. I can almost mark that if he wants to. If he wants to go back to coaching, he will be – someone will throw a Lions ransom at him. But I think he vastly – I don't want to say misunderstood, but just mismanaged the offensive side of the ball or chose not to manage it whatsoever. Maybe turn the keys fair. over to Pat Shermer and turn the keys over to the wrong guy. And got some of the worst results on the offensive side of the ball in the NFL. And as much as that's unfortunate, and like you would think, oh, you know, give him a chance with like an offense quarter, like that. Sometimes that's just the way it goes. You're the head coach in the NFL. You have to kind of have your hands in everything. You're still responsible for everything. And for him to have, like I said, mismanaged it that bad on the offensive side of the ball, it doesn't give you hope that he can all of a sudden identify the assistant coach or the offensive coordinator that's going to do things better next time, you know? So that, to me, is is just a move that had to happen. And I think with the way this roster is built right now, with what they have, mm-hmm. it's going to be not only an attractive spot for a potential quarterback this offseason, but I think they're going to get one, what whatever head coaching candidate they want, basically. I think this is going to be a destination job that a lot of people are going to want to. Now, you're in division with Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. That's tough. And Derek Carr. And Derek Carr, for, for how much longer? But that's difficult, but I do think a lot of head coach, this will be an attractive job for a head coach. I agree. I think uh, I want to ask you the question of what, what job you feel is the most attractive and also get some names for landing spots there. Let's go ahead and do that. But um, give me your, what is the most attractive position open right now? And include the Raiders, right? We don't know if they're going to keep Basaccia. Yeah. 
but including the Raiders, what's the most attractive job? What's the least attractive job? And then give me some candidates for all the names or all the positions. Broncos is the most attractive purely roster-wise. Now, you need to get a quarterback, and you're in that division, like I said. that So that, maybe not. I think the Jaguars is most attractive from a kid-in-the-candy-store perspective. Like, you have a lot of cap space, and you have Trevor Lawrence. There's a lot of things you can do with that roster. Um, after that, I'm not sure there's a massive difference between Bears, Vikings, Raiders. They're all on the wrong side of cap space with their own issues themselves that just have, like, not a ton of talent. So mm-hmm. that's how I'd rank them. I think oh I, I forgot the Dolphins too. <laughs> I just I just assumed oh. the Dolphins weren't even in that. Yeah. The Dolphins might be number one, honestly. Dolphins have a great defense. You have but like Tua, I, I'm, and, you I'm, could, and you have a GM that's probably going to trade for Deshaun Watson this offseason. Yeah, if if the Dolphins do trade for Deshaun Watson and he's able to play, I there that obviously that they that becomes a very attractive positioning. I don't know if the Broncos are, right? Any place with like real I think the Bears are more attractive than people are putting off. I mean, Justin Fields, like if you that job is as attractive as you feel Justin Fields is a prospect. And I know the mm-hmm. roster is not there, but if Justin Fields ascends in twenty twenty two, yeah. It regardless of how good that roster is, if he looks good, that job immediately becomes more attractive and you're able to add more there. I also think the Raiders. The Raiders is an attractive job. Derek Carr is on at this point like a team friendly deal. In entering the last year of his contract. And while they don't have a ton of talent, they have cap space, they have draft capital. Like, go get some talent and go make some plays. Like, they need to add at receiver, they need to add on the defense, and pretty much replace the right side of the offensive line. But go go chase, go chase there. Go chase. I don't know. I think the least attractive job is the Giants, but they're keeping their head coach. Um, maybe maybe the Vikings. I think the Vikings is the least attractive. Mm. Yeah. Eric Eager said the Vikings is the most attractive. I, I disagree. I disagree with that. That Vikings, that Vikings team is... Is not in a good place. Should we get to who we th- would like to fill each role? Before we do, can I say this? Yeah. You come to this podcast for information and insight, and I get it. Can we all admit picking like the best candidates for head coach is tough? Like because like you don't know these people, yeah. and it's just a, it's a skill set that's hard to evaluate on the outside because yeah. these guys are not. You're not evaluating them as play callers. You are evaluating these guys as managers, CEOs, like of men. Like, can they come in and organize? Can they come in and effectively build a culture? Like, I mean, it's it's why a lot of people got the Dan Campbell thing wrong. Like, people like tight ends coach. Oh my god, yeah. are you kidding me? This guy's gonna suck. Or like Joe uh, Joe Judge hasn't been great, but everyone's like special teams coach. Why would you do that? Like, why? But you look at what he was before, and you're like, whatever. I think you have to really know these people. I mean, look at you, Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer was a disaster, yeah. and a lot of people were like, oh, I don't know. He's done it at the collegiate level. Yeah. I think it's very difficult to know who's going to be a good head coach and who's not without head coaching experience especially. Without head coaching experience especially, and that's what a lot of these guys and, are. And GM even more so. Oh, yeah. Literally, you don't know I don't even decisions. speak on people. Ask, like, I'll be on radio hits. People ask me, like, you know, what do you think of XYZ GM can? It's like, do I don't Fucking no. You don't know who's in a decision make who's in a building making decisions. You just don't from the outside. No a one great, tells anyone. A great <laughs> you know? example of that is PFF has a really good um tracker for all the open like GM jobs and NFL jobs. And uh there's a list of GM candidates that the Bears are potentially interviewing. It's Jeff Ireland, college uh, assistant GM of college personnel of the Saints. You have uh, Morocco Brown, who's the director of college scouting for the Colts. You have assistant GM for the Bills, Jeff Schoen. 
You have pro scouting, a director of pro scouting, the Raiders, Dwayne Joseph. Like, do you know what any of those guys do? Like, I, like it's all cool jobs. Jeff Ireland like, was a GM already. Yeah, okay. Jeff so. Ireland's probably a different case. But like, assistant director of player personnel, Champ Kelly for the Bears. Like, I don't know what Champ Kelly does. I, 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 I'm call me an analyst. I get that. But does anyone know like what he actually does from a decision making? What choices has he made? I don't know. That's that's tough. Um, anyway, uh, give me your names. All right, Jaguars. This one's a little off the wall, but like Pep Hamilton, QB coach for the. Texans. XFL? Was he in the XFL? At one point. <laughs> are, you, are you trying to like derogatorily talk about the D.C. defenders as if that's like a bad <laughs> I think so. gig? I think he was so. quarterback coach for Davis Mills this year. Was quarterback coach for Justin Herbert last year. Was quarterback coach for Andrew Luck. Or excuse me, offensive coordinator for Andrew Luck back from 2013 to 2015. He has a proven track record as off on the offensive side of the ball. And I don't think the Jaguars, after firing Urban Meyer in one year and the last stock they've been for the past decade, are going to get a top-dollar candidate. I just don't. Yeah. I don't think Brian Flores is going to see the Jaguars' job, even if they do have Trevor Lawrence there, and be like, I'd rather not. Mm-hmm. You know. So I do think Pep Hamilton is the guy who, you know, from only being quarterback's coach, hasn't been an offense coordinator in six years, I think could get the nod. Now, Bears, I said this one a while back, Josh McDaniels. I just think what he's done to – one, adjust as the offense Cam Newton last year. Two, bring Mac Jones in the fold and have him succeed right away. That's someone I would want in Justin Fields' corner. Broncos, I think Brian Flores would be excellent there. With the talent they have on the defense side of the ball, he could do the exact same thing he did in Miami with this Broncos defense. And then I guess I'd trust him a little bit more to figure out the offense side of the ball or at least hire a better offense coordinator there or whatever they get. Dolphins, this one's tough. It's If, if you keep Tua... I like Nathaniel Hackett, the Packers offense coordinator. What he has done with that offense, dating back to Blake Bortles at Jacksonville to make him look like a halfway decent uh, starting quarterback in the NFL with the RPO, quick passing game stuff he does with Green Bay. I think a lot of that could translate immediately for Tua there in, in Miami. But again, that depends on if they plan on keeping Tua. Vikings, if it's if Lane Kiffin's there, I like Lane Kiffin. If he's available, I like Lane Kiffin. Now, is it going to work? Shit, I don't know, but it'd be fun to watch. Hashtag. Now, last one, Raiders. This one is a pipe dream, but I would love if they got Jay Gruden. That would just crack me up. No. That would just for the – There's a literal there's zero, zero chance. chance. I know there is, but it would be absolutely hilarious. If Jay, Jay Gruden, Gruden brings on John as like a assistant and, yeah, visor. The, yeah, stop. Just assistant. stop. Who you actually think for the Raiders? Harbaugh. Yeah. I think Harbaugh. My, my picks for um, – Jags, Bill O'Brien. I think Bill O'Brien ultimately is the, Don't the Jaguars put head coach. That. It's going to be Bill O'Brien. Even though I think he got shot on a little bit too much, but he's still... I think Bill O'Brien, I think, is rumored to be interviewing there. David Sofaro, who's a uh, PR manager here at PFF, likes Bill O'Brien. I think Bill O'Brien ultimately does it. I think they do that. Or like Peterson. I could see Doug Peterson going that way. Just... Don't let Bill have any roster control. <laughs> yeah, you can't give him like uh, you know, complete control. Bears, I like Josh McDaniels. Broncos, I like Flores. Uh, Dan- Dolphins, I like Enemy. Why not Enemy? I think Enemy would be sweet. Vikings, of course, I'm going Lane Kiffin. The Raiders, obviously it's Jim. Got to get Jim in the freaking building. All right, a couple more things to update on the catch and early buzz. And then I got to get... I got your I got to get your opinion on some of the trending stuff because there's so much shit we yeah. need to talk about. Yeah. But like, first TikTok challenge. Mm-hmm. I want to challenge you to most TikTok followers by the end of the 2022 calendar year. Yes, TikTok is a platform where we can get on there, start roasting some 12 year olds. Because I've been seeing some of the NFL content on there. I just think it's 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 a dunk opportunity. We've got to get on there and start making some plays. It would be there are a lot dunks get traction on that. app. I currently have two followers. 
Do you? Two I followers. had like 15, but it's because I had an account for a while, and I think they're all bots. But So what's the bet? What are we doing? We, should we have the listeners come up with yeah. what the winner gets, what the loser has to do, whatever? Yeah. We should. I like it. I like it. Listeners, okay. tell us where you're at, what you think. TikTok, what? most TikTok followers by Jan 1, 2023. Loser has to do something. Winner gets something. Whatever you guys think is best. And then the update on the weight. 199. I'm now down to 181. Ooh. The march on 110. I'm going to try and get to 110. The march on 110 starts now. Last thing here. Is, or no, two more things. One, pivoting the name to fun to watch watch to save your likes. That was courtesy of the listeners. Love that. Save your freaking likes. We'll get that later. Two, thank you so much for the SpeakPipe messages. SpeakPipe.com slash tailgate where you can leave a voicemail to get on the mailbag episode is going to be sick. Please do that. SpeakPipe.com slash tailgate also in the description on the pod below. You have two options. I want to bring up two more, one more thing in the catch and early buzz. Do you want to discuss the chick that was selling her farts in jars for 200K but now selling the NFTs or any part of the Antonio Brown podcast where he where Todd Haley Todd Haley texts him and he like roasts him literally live on that podcast. Both of those were trending. Both of those I were I feel like we probably should talk about the football one. But okay. the the farts one, that's like a NFTs jumping the ship thing. Like we we'd already talked about it. I'd already gave my take on NFTs in this podcast. Have you given your but take on farts and jars? But that's that's like we we don't need NFTs. that's like where NFTs start to take their they hit their peak. And then now they're nosediving. Can you guess, before we get off the farts and jars, can you guess how much she sold each jar for, ultimately before she quit? 30 bucks. You're high. More. More? Are you kidding me? 100 bucks. More. 500 bucks. More. Stop. She sold jars for $1,000. 40-year-old financier who spent $1,000 Explain that it helped her feel him close to motto. I'm not going to kink shame, but a thousand dollars for fart jars. Everyone wants to roast her. I know we said we weren't talking about it. Everyone wants to roast her. She's just taking advantage of a market, baby. I mean, I respect the grind. I respect the grind. Doctors told her that the excessive flatulence was going to hurt her body. She had to go to the doctor about it. But she was out here grinding, making a dollar, dude. But sorry. This uh, this reminds me of a story I probably shouldn't tell. In don't podcast. don't. But actually, I may have told this already. I've told someone. It's not – I'm not proud of it, but when I was maybe like 15, 16 years old, I was in high school. Yeah, I was definitely like junior high school because my brother was came back from college and it was like over uh, Thanksgiving or something. This is when one of the World Cups was going on. And you might remember the World Cups with the Vuvuzelas where you like yeah. the horns that you blew. Well, <laughs> the fat end of the Vuvuzela I put around – Oh, I think you did tell my me this before. brother's butt cheeks. And the other end I put to my mouth and he farted in and I sucked it out and I got lightheaded and almost fell. That so, is foul. You should have chart. You should have. You should have paid for that. So I, yeah, I was ahead of my time, <laughs> dude. You got was, that for free. And I got it for free. <laughs> you got that for free. <laughs> oh, she's now selling the uh, NFTs of her fart jars for 0.05 Ethereum for those interested. Uh, I don't think there's much to discuss on the Antonio Brown stuff. I hope he gets another opportunity because Antonio Brown makes good content. But the Todd Haley thing live on that pod where he's like, I just got a text from Todd Haley who's now coaching one of the USFL teams to like come join the ship or something. He's literally laughing at Todd Haley to his face. Was- well, no, dude. Todd Haley was definitely trolling him. You think? Yes. Oh, Todd wow. Todd Haley was definitely being like, hey, you like – Basically, like knowing Todd Haley, he's like a kick a man when he's down. He would have no problem. He's probably laughing to himself, thinking about it. 
That's good stuff. That's good stuff. All right, let's get the Chiefs Broncos. <laughs> that that's good stuff. Chiefs Broncos. Catch and early buzz is my favorite segment. Monday pods are my favorite pods. Chiefs Broncos. This happened all the way back on Saturday. Sunday felt like it was two years long. That Vic Fangio kick we already talked about. I don't know if there's much to glean from this, right? Mm-hmm. Broncos lay an egg. Chiefs roll. Just a quintessential Broncos egg. You yeah. know, just like there's too many of those the yeah. past three years. That's why Fangio's gone. Cowboys Eagles. This game was an absolute snore. Can't believe Sunday Night Football even. Or, yeah, Sunday Night Football was the broadcast, right? I mean, it was just a a disaster. Um, Backups on the Eagles side. I think they had two highlights. Milton Williams, former Louisiana Tech defensive tackle, kind of showed up in this one. I think he was the highest-graded defensive lineman for the Philadelphia Eagles. He continues to flash. That's what he's been for a while. I'd like to see him more in a a solidified role. And then Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew. I had this take in the office. Do the Colts make the playoffs with Gardner Minshew? Do, Do the Colts make the playoffs with Gardner Minshew? I mean, he's like the better quarterback to pair with that kind of very strong right? run game. That's what I was know? thinking. Offensive line, run game, defense. You don't get the absolute – it's not a roller coaster, right? Gardner Minshew is never going to have the high-end throws that Wentz has on his tape. And I, he had some – even in this game that he collapsed in, like had some legit high-end throws against the Jags. But Gardner Minshew is also not going to just completely shit the bed, right? And I think um, – Gardner Minshew on the Colts, I think they make the playoffs. It was that close, right? I mean, it's kind of a ridiculous scenario, but I think Gardner Minshew gets traded in the offseason. He competes for a starting job somewhere. If they're committed to Hurts, he should go get traded and com- com- compete for a starting job somewhere else. I don't hate that take that the Colts would have made the playoffs, but like they made the move to try to get MVP-level Carson Wentz back. Yeah. And they did not. My, my, <laughs> did my, not. my take on that is MVP Carson Wentz is just like it shows up like it's a roller coaster within games, right? I mean, you see some of that MVP caliber stuff on his I mean, tape sh- on shit, the fourth down, The fourth down throw he had, we're not even at the game, but the fourth down throw he had. was insane. Campbell drop was awesome. Yeah. yeah. that I, I, I think Carson Wentz, it's hard to even get. It's not even like season to season with him or even game to game. It's like drive to drive. Throw to throw, what are you getting? It's like a grab bag of accuracy, whereas Minshew obviously has this like that doesn't nearly have the high end tape that Carson Wentz does, but the low end just isn't there. Um any other takeaways from this game? Dak looked good. I think he's the highest graded quarterback on the week. Cedric Wilson, C. Lamb, Amari Cooper all rolling. Dalton Schultz going to get a fat offseason contract, I'm sure. Zach Martin, highest graded right guard in the NFL. Cowboys, man, I, you, you are hinting at a potential L in the first round of the playoffs for the Cowboys? I heard you rumoring that. No one take. said that. No? You didn't say I that? I did not say okay. that. Okay, never mind. Well, I like the Cowboys in the playoffs. I'm excited. Steelers, Ravens. I was begging for a Tyler Huntley dub because it was at the point where the Jags were losing or the Jags were winning, and if the Ravens won, the Raiders would have automatically clinched. The Raiders would automatically clinched without having had to play that game. But Big Ben, the lowest-graded quarterback to make the playoffs, also like a bottom-five QB and PFF grade this year, finds a way. Ravens collapse. Steelers win to go into the postseason. They are now 13 or 13.5-point dogs against the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead as the seventh seed. Do you give them a fucking shell of a chance against the Chiefs in Arrowhead? Uh, no. But in this one, a couple things to highlight. T.J. Watt ties sack record. I didn't, what I didn't realize, two things about this. I didn't realize last week Baker Mayfield slid at the line of scrimmage and they gave the sack to T.J. Watt. Yeah, that was rough. That was insanity. Like home scorekeeper to the max. But this week they had that fumbled snap and T.J. Watt gets the tackle. Raven scorekeeper... Doesn't give him the sack. Calls it a run play. That was Gives him amazing. just a tackle for a loss, dude. That That's, was amazing. That is home scorekeeper grudge at its finest. <laughs> that might actually be how you're supposed to score it. I don't care. 
I want to think that the home scorekeeper thought it was going to be a TJ Watt sack and intentionally tried to not give him one. Can we have I, – we, I know you said on the Wednesday or Thursday episode this week you want to have some award discourse, but yeah. since you brought up T.J. Watt and the sack record – I knew you were going here. I want to. I want to talk about it. Aaron Donald, in my opinion, should be the defensive player of the year. Okay. He has, I think, 20-ish, 22, 25 more pressures than T.J. Watt. He has 10 more defensive stops. He's flat out played a lot more. He's played I – think, like, I think he's rushed the passer like 300 more times. And in terms of value, right, I, think, I don't think – when you're looking for the, the defensive player of the year, a lot of what matters is playing, right? Like efficiency is not what you're chasing necessarily as much as you are like legitimate impact. Pressures, sacks, tax loss. I know T.J. Watt had the sacks. But if your only argument for Watt there is sacks, like is the defensive player of the year award should, I know what it is. It's going to go to T.J. Watt. I get that. But should it be 23 plays? Like is 23 plays of like the 900 you play in a season – what dictate defensive player of the year. I just don't think that makes sense. I, I think it should be a body of work. Like Aaron Donald has 90 pressures. X of them are sacks. He has 50 defensive stops on run against the run. Like this many beaten blocks as a, as a defender in the run game. Like so much of that matters more, like legitimately matters more affecting the game yeah. than 23 sacks, like 23 plays of the 900 you played. One of the things that gets swept under the rug, you touched on there is that Aaron Donald played 1,040 snaps this year. I, I don't think I've seen that many snaps or defense tackle ever. Dude, he played an insane amount that's of snaps. The mo- that's 60 more snaps than any other defensive lineman in the NFL. 90, 85 more snaps than any other defensive tackle. There were only 10 defensive tackles that even played 800 snaps. Like he, wasn't, he didn't come off the field. That, like, for a guy who's playing at that level to be that dominant, play in, play out, and to never come off the field, 1,040 snaps, that like that is, it's you have to be so much better than a guy on TJ Watt snaps, 758 snaps for TJ Watt. You have to be 2,500. I'm trying to do the calculation in my head, <laughs> but that's like a, a 33% more snaps than TJ Watt. You have to be that much better than Donald on your snaps to be the defensive player of the year, in my opinion, then, at that yeah. point. That was very convoluted. That was convoluted, I but I, I kind of get that. what you're saying. But Aaron Donald, defensive player of the year, is my, was one. I have one more thing on this Steelers game. And I think I've mentioned this a handful of times on the podcast, but I'm going to hammer it home here. Mike Tomlin should go down as honestly one of the best coaches the NFL has ever seen. What he's done with this Steelers team to consistently win – earn winning records to consistently make the postseason with Big Ben playing as shitty as he's played. I mean, this has been special. Mike Tomlin's run with Pittsburgh is special, dude. He is like defying. I mean, I also think there's a lot of pressure on Tomlin. It's a huge market. It's it's a situation where like two losing seasons and they consider it. Like that's fucked. Like that's what the NFL is. To be this consistent in a high-pressure market like that, like Tomlin, tip your freaking cap, dude. That guy has been so impressive over the course of his NFL career, NFL coaching career, and that I, I just think more people need to realize he's one of the best coaches in the NFL, like flat out. He is one of the best coaches in the NFL. Um, I mean, I put him in the top five, easily top five. Two, he, uh, Aaron Donald, I looked it up, over 200 more pass rushing snaps than T.J. Watt so far this year. And obviously some of that's injury, but that matters, right? Availability matters. Um, Bengals, Broncos. 
I barely watched this game. It was yeah. backups across the board. Not a lot of, not a lot of impact either way. Bengals are playing the Raiders. They rested Joe Burrow. They rested like pretty much everyone. It was kind of a shit game. I'm just gonna move past it. Let's move past it. <laughs> Packers Lions. This one I did watch because Dan Campbell is a treat. Literally every single chance you get. I think he finished this year. If you follow the PFF underscore bet account, they tweeted out a graphic for Dan Campbell. He finished this year like. 10 and 6 or 11 and 5 against the spread. Like, that's absurd what he did to keep this team motivated. And, like, them winning this game cost them the number one overall pick. And he still said, No, we're going out here and winning. I think the quote during the broadcast was Dan Campbell tells people, Winners create winners, losing, or winning creates winners, losing creates losers. Just consistently competing this year. 11 and 6 against the spread this year. That is absurd for a Detroit Lions team that everyone, like, shit on all offseason who doesn't have good talent. Detroit Lions win at home against Green Bay Packers to avoid the number one overall pick, get the number two overall pick, let the Jags pick Kayvon Thibodeau, and let Aiden Hutchinson, the hometown hero, fall to Detroit Lions. Love what you've seen from Dan Campbell. Talk about buy-in for such a bad, like talent-deprived Lions team. Yeah. It was... My, my bet takes more on the opposite side of the ball, where, one, love seeing David Bakhtiari back, did a lot of pressure, 20 pass blocking snaps. Two, I don't think there's... I, I don't think there's a lot of hope for Jordan Love. I'll just say it. Wow. There's so many people that are saying, oh, if you like, you know, you can't tell he's so young into his starting career. It's like he's a year and a half removed from college at this point. Like he's he's at a point where if Zach Wilson looks like this in week 17 next year, we're going to be going to have some, you know, week 18 next year. <laughs> Zach Wilson's gone. You know, like yeah. that's going to be looking somewhere else. Like they're not obviously going to kick him to the curb. But there's like the lack of poise and just like that that under pressure or when things are kind of late in the snap, that just kind of panic to where his body or his mind is moving faster than his body and it just looks discombobulated that shit, like the, the amount of guys who look like that at any point in their career and then go on to become top 10 to 15 quarterbacks in the NFL, there's not a lot. Yeah, You know, just look at the guys who – are the elite of the elite in the NFL, whether it's Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Kyler Murray, even Kirk Cousins, Justin Herbert, like those guys, Dak Prescott, they come in and the speed of the game or just like how they handle themselves when things don't go well, they do it well. Like they look good in those situations. They're not like good, but they don't look completely like shit, kind of how Jordan Love has looked in those situations. So I, I, am not particularly he's earned a 39.4 overall give me give me your scale i'm just just not particularly confident in him going for it one to ten we did it for all the 2021 rookies give me your scale one one that low yeah damn okay like if it if is there anything to point to on like jordan loves tape through these two games that he's played this year kansas city and detroit that you're like this is good no. This is something to hang my head. There on. isn't. I think the only confidence, the only thing driving confidence would be the, like, the fact that you haven't seen a lot, right? <laughs> like, yeah. like hope. That's hope is saying. driving a lot of this confidence. I think that's fair. Can we comment on Amon Ross St. Brown and Equinemia St. Brown's combo jersey? Oh, dude. How sick was that? I don't know if uh, – oh, he does. Quinn's pulling up the freaking picture. This thing is sick. <laughs> John Brown, who if you have not watched the documentary on the St. Brown trio, Amon Ra, Equinemius, and – I think it's Osiris. Osiris yeah. was the other St. Brown brother. It's insane. Like, like his 
dad John Brown, I think, married a like Olympic lifter or something. They like bred these kids to just be monsters, and they are monsters. Obviously, all I think two of them in the NFL. Um, but this combo jersey is pretty fire. I think I'll get that for you if you want it. John had to be so mad that he was named one of the, probably the most popular names in. You know, yeah, because he just American went off. History. He was in his bag for the, his <laughs> kids' names. Just like, oh, yeah, so deep. Going to call me John? How about Equinemius, Amon-Ra, and Osiris, brother? But that's like a jersey swap or not even that swap, a mix that I've never seen. I've never seen the Because the yours, it goes down the middle. It looks yeah. heinous. Yeah, like the OG was uh, Brady Quinn's sister, right? Back no, at the... I don't Back I don't in like follow. the mid-2000s, she rocked at the... I think it was like the Sugar Bowl. Notre Dame played Ohio State. And she was dating AJ Hawk, right? I think it was the genesis of this. And so she had a half Brady Quinn, half AJ Hawk jersey. Oh, I see it. And now. that was like the split down the middle. That was like one of the first times I can recall really seeing that in like a popular setting of like someone who was involved, whether it's a parent, girlfriend, whatever. But that was a split down the center. This one's the shoulder pads got the the lines on it. This the center has Do we know what packers. the back looks like? I wonder if the back I is green. I imagine it says St. Brown. I know shit, but is it green or is it blue? I don't know. We didn't get a back. We we'll didn't have get to a reach back out shot. to John Brown. Uh, Quinn, I, I guess you don't have any files on um, Brady Quinn's sister, that split jersey, but if you could next time, come prepared for that ad hoc. No, I'm looking it up now. It's pretty dope. It's a pretty sick uh, splitter, Tiago splitter jersey. Um, let's get off this game. Titans-Lions. No, Titans-Texans. Davis Mills. Can we talk about it? Can you can you apologize? Look at the camera. Apologize to saying they set that pick on fire. They did not set that pick on. Davis Mills has looked kind of good. Okay, again, kind of good. He has fifty eight points. And they're not going to pick a quarterback. They're going to give him a chance to compete. And again, this is why I'm saying it's slighting the pick on fire. That was the whole genesis of the take. I think I've said genesis a few times this part. I love it. Was that he? All he can do is convince you to not go quarterback. And now this quarterback class turned to cheeks. And there's really maybe not a guy that you would like to take in the top five that you could think is the franchise guy. So I'm not too pressed about it with that. But if he would have played like this and convinced them to pass up on a guy who would have been like a surefire franchise quarterback there sitting at him, not even surefire, but just like a guy who's like a top-tier prospect sitting there looking at him in the top five, that was the worry of it because Davis Mills was kind of was NFL ready in a lot of ways coming out of Stanford. Like he plays at the speed of the NFL game, but he just – wasn't particularly – wasn't the most accurate. Made a lot of bad decisions with football back at Stanford that – shit, I mean, still a 20 turnover where they plays this year as a rookie on like half a little over half a season. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying he's played well, but he hasn't been like complete shit. Yeah, I, I agree. But it's still like where's your I, – I just – I worry about – Three years from now, we're talking about I'm like we're talking about Daniel Jones. We better not. That that <laughs> you know? would be absurd. So they, that's like, but they don't have. They didn't invest like it was a third round pick, yeah. right? Like they're not like hung up on him like the Giants are with the first round pick of Daniel Jones. Like it's a a third round investment. This guy at, at the least has earned an opportunity to compete in camp. Like say they trade for whoever they add Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. Say they make a monster play and grab a quarterback. Yeah. That would be the only one that kind of keeps him. But if they want to pick another quarterback in 2022, say a Corral, a Howell. Uh, Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett, whoever it is, he'll be competing with Davis Mills. They'll be competing with Davis Mills. Yeah. Open competition because he's done a lot this year that I think has been way more positive than people thought, at least originally. One thing interesting about this game is kind of how people spin their own narratives on things because, like, the Texans a few weeks ago beat the Chargers. They come back down 21 nothing in this game to 
give them a fighting chance at the end. If this were the Lions, people would be like, man, people, these, this team loves David Culley. But it's not David Culley out there at the podium, you know, getting quote after quote on Twitter. That, like, I, I just think it's interesting that no, no narratives going around that, like, these guys love David Culley. They're playing so hard. They're so much fun to watch. Despite, like, legitimately that being a very good game this past week against the Titans. And like I said, them upsetting a team in the Chargers a few weeks ago, they had no business winning that game. I just think that's just put it out there. And the Texans team that legitimately also way outperformed expectations this season for my money and finished with shit. More wins than the Lions. True. What were they against the spread? That's kind of what I care about. But that's the, that's the whole Dan Campbell thing. It's the spread, spread kick. That matters, though. That's not like the whole Dan Campbell thing. That definitely matters. But that was expe- – I mean, did the Texans That's literally expectations. expectations. Spread is market expectation, brother. But it's, it's a market expectation based off of, like, what you've done. And so, like, when you are – have been shit. True. Eight nine against the spread this year for David Kelly, which is probably better than I expected. Actually, so I feel that. Yeah. Colts Jags, here we go. Sign me up before we get into this. Before we light them up, let's get into the sponsor here. Let's pay some bills. DraftKings. We've hit the final week of the pro football regular season, and college football is heading into the national championship. DraftKings Sportsbook and has an unbelievable offer to get all fans in on the NFL action. For this exciting time on the football calendar, new customers can bet just $5 on any on any football team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. So let's wind down the season with a big win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still find your way to the winner's circle. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Bet just $5 on any NFL team or any football team, excuse me, college or pro. And with $200 in free bets if they're victorious. That is promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager required. One per customer. Restricts supplies. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Also, shout out New York betters. Hell yeah. Mobile sports betting in New York. That's fucking sweet. Praying. Praying Ohio gets it done before next season. They passed like something, but it's... It's supposed to happen in 2022. Yeah. All signs point to 2022. Well, they, I just need it before September. They've at least passed the bill. It's just now the implementation of actually who gets the license and stuff yeah. licenses. Fucking government. Piece of shit. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Colts Jags. Jags were 15 and a half point dogs at home against a, Car- a Colts team that if won- they won, they were in the playoffs and they lose. Colts lose. Not just lose. They got beat up, beat up in the trenches. Jonathan Taylor only really had a handful of like good runs in this game. It was one, his like best run was like on a third and two or Jihad Ward, former Raiders legend, former Illinois legend, had a bottled up in the backfield and he still broke away for a long carry. Like it's still like the trenches were getting blown up. Like yes. the Jags legitimately winning that game, played spoiler to a T. Colts, on the other hand, Carson Wentz had some terrible picks. Carson Wentz also had the bad fumble. And then also like you had that drop from um, down the stretch from uh, Paris Campbell that like awesome, right? Like it was a roller coaster in this game. Carson Wentz had some really nice throws, specifically early in the game. That one over the middle to T. Y. Hilton, and then some also some really bad throws. Right, this roller coaster down to down roller coaster with Carson Wentz, like such a disaster. I tweeted out that only he is capable of. Colts now on the outside looking in at the postseason. Frank Reich has already said he's not committed. Like, he's uncommittal on Carson Wentz as a star in 2022. They asked him, and he said, yeah, I don't know. we got to evaluate. Holy shit, dude. Talk about people were mad at me. Colts Nation had their guns pointed at me when I was hesitant to call them a deep postseason contender. I didn't even pick them to not make the playoffs. They missed the playoffs as 15.5-point favorites of the Jags on the road. 
Disaster for Indianapolis. Absolute disaster for Indy. Carson Wentz looked bad. Just straight up awful. And you can take your victory lap here because that was the guy we warned you about. That was the one where we just say he – his lows are so low that, that you know, whatever. You're, you're making this trade because you think he can give you that high to get you a Super Bowl. But it's like that – can he give you the high for three games, four games in a row? Over the course of the season, no. That was a resounding no. <laughs> you did not – you'd be hard-pressed to find a four-game stretch on his schedule that didn't have at least one done in it. And that's just who he's been over the course of his career, sadly. But right here, the better quarterback won. Trevor Lawrence played the best game he's played all season long. Damn near flawless performance from him and even could have been better. He had four passes dropped on the day. Goes 23 of 32, 223 yards, two touchdowns. The first two touchdown, multi touchdown game from him since week one. Insanity. Just all around. I could not believe my eyes watching that game. Just like the whole time, I'm like, when's it going to, House of Cards going to collapse? When's this Jags going to turn back into a pumpkin? And they didn't, man. I. Don't know. Like, obviously, I don't want to have this conversation. You hate when I ask these questions because you just want to talk about the game and move on. But the Colts, man, they're in a bad what spot. They no. They're in a bad spot this offseason, right? I mean, they, they, you, like, Frank Reich, obviously, like, we have to evaluate who's going to be your starter. But, like, you can't go off. You just trade a first round pick for Carson Wentz. Like, you can't, like, you can't go away from him. But, like, there aren't, I mean, obviously, adding more weapons, right? Like, they're out here throwing to Doolin and, you know, an older T.Y. Hilton, Paris Campbell, Mo Ali Cox. Like, you can add more receiving talent, right? But, like, the offensive line is good. Jonathan Taylor is good. The defense, though, it could add more stars. Like, under Eberflus's tutelage, like, this defense is good. Yeah. Carson Wentz just needs to be better. Like, and you need to strike lightning in a bottle. Like, legitimately drive to drive game to game with Wentz to be a playoff contender. But even then, right? You're not a deep postseason contender with Carson Wentz. I'm sorry. Like, you're not a deep playoff contender with Carson Wentz under center, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's now what do they do because he's in a contract three more years. <laughs> they can get out from under it. It's not, after the trade, it's not going to cost them that much. But so many teams are so hesitant to make that move, to make that call and say, cut ties, Wentz isn't our guy, move on to next one. And so with, like I said, three years, $28 million cap at this next year, 26, then 27, reasonable if he's MVP, Carson Wentz, or at, you know, the good Carson Wentz. But will he ever? Is that a pipe dream? Is how, how much do you have to put around him in terms of talent offensively when you already gave him one of the best offensive lines in the NFL? You have a receiving core with Michael Pittman that's not completely bereft of talent. Obviously it could get better, but it's like, again, how much do you need to put around a guy before you decide that you know moves need to be made? That's going to be that's the tough decision that shit they put themselves in by making this move. Let's get off this game. Bears Vikings, <laughs> both out of playoffs, both coaching staffs and GMs fired. I mean, this is the fired bowl. Yeah. Regardless of outcome, you're both fired. That's a tough situation to be in. What I say though. Kirk, this is the stat pattern. 14 to 22, 250 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. I bet you did you did nail that. You did nail that. <laughs> That's <laughs> best statistical man. game all year. <laughs> That's brutal. That is brutal. Uh, uh, I don't want to talk about much more about this game. They win 31-17. Minnesota was favored by six. Kirk looks good. I mean, Bears are out here struggling, struggling to create offense with Andy Dalton. Yeah. He throws for 
325 yards, one TD, two, two picks. It's, it's just a bad, it's a bad, bad news bear situation in Chicago. Football team giants. Yes. Both teams eliminated. We have to talk about it. Have to. What the hell was that? Okay. What the hell was that third and nine goal line or not third and nine on their own end? QB sneak following. This doesn't get brought up enough. Following a fucking. QB sneak on second and ten, like right. It was a it was back to back QB sneaks, second and long, third and long QB sneaks on their own, like within their own ten yard line. Yeah. So second quarter, they are down three to nothing. The first QB sneak, okay, whatever. You're at, you got the ball at the two. You went back a yard on first down. You just want to give yourself some space to work. Okay. The second one was the most absurd play I've ever seen in my entire. One of the most absurd plays I've ever seen in my entire life. If you are so unconvinced that a handoff or a pass play will not only not get positive yards for you, but in fact get negative, risk a turnover or risk of safety at that point. When you're at the four-yard line, what the F were you doing all week in practice? You know how, how did you get your guys prepared to execute? You obviously did not. If that's how little confidence you have in them, that was it. That was a, that was a, that was a laughing stock. Like they, they are, any fan watching that, had to be yelling at their TV with how absurd that play call was. And my favorite part about it is that they attack this sneak in the most obvious formation <laughs> ever. Two tight ends. That was a great part of it. And then three, two, I believe it's two extra offensive linemen, and then three, or excuse me, one extra offensive lineman, and then three guys literally surrounding their quarterback, all ready to just push forward. It's not like a quick sneak where you have a formation. It's like Washington literally knows they can't do anything other than sneak the ball from that formation. So like, even if your, your max gain at that point's two yards, that was, it was a joke. I mean, it was a straight up joke that they did that. I, I don't get how that's not even defensible, dude. It's not even defensible. And some people are saying, well, you have Jake Fromm as your quarterback, but like you, you have Jake that that's, that's the reason to try. Like you, you are not going to get a lot of opportunities with the football, let alone, you know, you, you have to like push, right? Like you can't just like be that conservative, like legitimately objectively like that conservative, like knowingly conservative, like within like, it was like a victory formation QB sneak yeah. on their own end. It was, it was absurd. Um, Giants essentially punting on the season with that decision among others. Football team wins pretty handedly with the f- most fun to watch quarterback in the NFL. Everyone tags me in like every Heineke tweet now. Everyone was like, Everyone knows I hate him. I don't hate him. I just don't think. I just don't think like. I just don't think everyone needs like. Everyone just loves him. I'm just not a big fan. Heineke goes nine of (laughs) eighteen. Nine of eighteen for one twenty in this game. Also takes three sacks. Never. I never want to see Heineke play another fucking game. Um, On to Seahawks Cardinals. Are we ready to say Rashad Penny is the best back in the NFL? I've been saying it. In fact. He has, okay, so he's averaging 5.6 yards per carry now for his career. That's the second highest of any running back, active running back in the NFL. Care to guess who's the highest? Cordero Patterson? Raheem Mostert would be the highest. But 5.6, I mean, he goes off again. Big plays. I don't know. I, like, I, I never, it always blew my mind that for some reason he just couldn't see the field. And it, even when he was, like, healthy, couldn't see the field there because... He has legit speed. Like, he was a breakaway runner at 220 pounds at San Diego State. I don't know. 
it's hilarious that he's now like on this tear heading into free agency that he might get – if Carroll sticks around, they might give him a deal. <laughs> he, might, he might sign him, dude. Um, uh, I wanted to bring up – did you see my tweet comparing him to Barkley? Yeah. Here, I'll read the stats. Prescient. Since 2020, two 2018 NFL draft running backs, Saquon Barkley in 15 games – 181 carries, 627 yards, 3.5 yards per carry, and two touchdowns. Rashad Penny in that same span since 2020, only 13 games. 130 carries, 783 yards, 6.0 yards per carry, and six TDs. Go Aztecs. Was he the better back the whole time? I don't know. It's a good question. They might give him another offer, though. I I think that's hilarious. If they pay him monster money, that would be rough. I I love Rashad Penny. I think he's been great. You give Penny a a top-dollar contract, like top five at his position, that would be absurd. I'd give him, like, two years, 10 mil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a Kenyon Drake type of contract that the Raiders – yeah, I think that's fine. But if you can, like, this four-year, five-year blockbuster because he's this former first-round pick and Pete Kaler was right. Like, we were right. I'm not owned. I'm not owned. That would be a shitty situation. Cardinals, man. We didn't talk about that side of the ball. I know everyone wants to talk Rashad Penny. But Cardinals in this game lose 38-30. I think they were favored by what? They are favored by five-and-a-half was the closing line. You are buying into, if you are betting the Cardinals right now, who I think are four-point dogs, four-and-a-half-point dogs against the Rams in week in, in the wild card, you're buying them at like the very bottom of the market, right? Like they are, like your perspective market expectation could not be lower on the Arizona Cardinals. But they're expected to get J.J. Watt back, right? They're expected to get DeAndre Hopkins. I kind of like the Cardinals as a money line bet, and I know I've doubted Flock Nation, but I like the Red Sea. In the postseason, like I know this wasn't a banner day. Russell Wilson looked great in this one. Had some really nice deep balls. That one to Tyler Lockett was phenomenal. I think buying the Cardinals at the bottom of the market is where I'm at. And I think if you asked me five weeks ago, I'd be fading the Arizona Cardinals as like a one and done playoff team. But I think they win against LA this week. Ooh. If they have DeAndre Hopkins and JJ Watt back, I will also be picking them. But that's a big if. Really? You 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 like Cardinals one and done? If, if they don't have DeAndre Hopkins back, I do. I think they're supposed to get him back. That, I mean, the big difference between supposed to and getting him. True, true. So. I'm not a reporter. Sorry. Saints-Falcons. Both teams. Well, Saints are technically in the playoff hunt, right? Yeah. Like, Saints had a chance at the postseason, but ultimately missed out on the playoffs. Correct. Which you hate to see, uh, even despite the win. Taysom Hill, Liz Frank injury, which you also hate to see. This game was awful from the Falcons. I thought the Falcons would show up. I listened to Eric Eager and George Jahuri on the forecast to bet the Falcons, and it did not pan out. Why do I bet the Falcons? I don't know. Saints win 30-20. to 20. They cover the closing line, uh, the four-and-a-half line. Simeon goes 9-15 of 15 for 71. Taysom Hill goes 7-9 for 107. They combine for three touchdowns, only one sack. Ryan, Matt Ryan, on the other hand, 20-33, of 216, a TD and a touchdown, or a TD and a pick. Um, Kyle Pitts, I think, gets over... A certain or did, uh, Kyle Pitts only two receptions for eight yards in this game did not come close to Dicka's record. Dicka pop a bottle of champagne, he still got it, but it, it was it was great. To, I mean, it was a great season. The fact that like people are kind of disappointed by Pitts's production is insane. You're like, it's, it's insane, and I honestly kind of am too, but it's like insane how high the expectations were for a tight end that came into the NFL 20 years old. And he gets a thousand yards, second most ever by a tight end. And people are like, "Oh man, I was kind of hoping for a little bit more." And I was kind of hoping, yeah. I was kind of hoping he looked like Jamar Chase out the gate. And yeah, obviously you would like it for everyone to look like Jamar Chase. But again, 
He's 21 years old. Those are insane numbers for a guy that age. He will only continue to take his game in stress. And like I said, we put him on bus watch because Tony Gates only had 2,000 yard years. It's 20 year one. Wow. Wow. Remember when <laughs> this is kind of a callback. Remember that Vandy tight end you loved? Was oh, no. it Vandy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what was his I name? You called him that. the next Antonio Gates? I did not call him that. <laughs> what did you say? Well, you said just so- the player comp. The player comp oh, was player Antonio comps. Gates. What was his name? Um, Please, if you listen to the show for a long time, that was like two years ago. It was so slow. Vanderbilt tight end, who was yeah. like slower than dirt, so had the Antonio slow. Gates comp, fell from like top 50 to like off the draft board in a year. But we'll find All right, it. let's get off that topic. Let's get off the topic. <laughs> <laughs> I also just got to mention, AJ Terrell finished the season 200 yards allowed. That's insane. 11.7 per game. That's insane. One that, of the best seasons. One of the, one of the stingiest seasons we've ever graded. So. <clears throat> That's insane. Jets, Bills. Any major takeaways from this one? Yeah, bad, bad Zach was back. Sadly. Zach Wilson looked awful. Bills were favored by 16. They win 27-10. They cover the number. Zach Wilson goes 7 of 20 for 87. Here's the kicker. 7 of 20 for 87 yards and a touchdown with 8 sacks. If you did like the net passing yards, it's like it was like seven yards, yeah, or like something. It was like it was like five or seven yards. It was something insane. I will say I do respect Zach Wilson said after the game. He's like, I'm not gonna spend a little time with family, but I'm getting right back after it. Not, work's not done. It was so. five total yards. They finished with a net of five passing yards. That's absurd. I, why do I feel like this year, more so than any year in a while? We've had a lot of performance like this because there's so many rookie starters. I feel like there's yeah. been a lot of – like last year, obviously, no no crowds, whatever, that impacted passing games a lot. But even just this year, there's been a lot of just like atrocious offensive performances. This one, obviously one of them. Dude, eight sacks, five net passing yards. God, that's rough. He's got to get back to it, man. Zach Wilson, take some time with the fan, but I need you back on. Yeah. I need you back on the grindstone. Me too. 49ers-Rams. This game was kind of electric. Kyle Shanahan showing up late. Debo Samuel. Eric Eager said this, and I need your reaction. He said on the forecast last night, which if you don't listen to PFF Forecast with George and Eric Eager and you bet consistently, it's a phenomenal show. And if you don't even bet consistently, it's a great show. Um, But Eric said this last night. Debo Samuel, top five player in the NFL. Regardless of position value, I think think top five non-quarterback was the official take. Okay. I'm thinking about that. I I'm, I, I, I know I'm saying no. I can't get up. I can't get that high. Top ten, you could start to start to have a conversation. Maybe take yeah. me on a date. I, I mean, he's multifaceted. He does interesting things, but it's like you'd rather have the guy who's like undoubtedly like I wouldn't even take him as a top receiver in the NFL. You know, like I'd probably take a three receivers at least before him. So at that point, if you take three receivers for him, I'm also taking Aaron Donald for him. You know, I'm taking Trent Williams before him. So. As far as like dominance of their respective positions, any other? I think the but he's a fun to watch Hall of Famer. Yeah, he's obviously a fun to watch Hall of Famer. Jimmy, I think G, we might even have Jim, him what about Jimmy G? Can we talk a little bit about Jimmy G? Everyone, they were having this. I, I, I listened to the forecast last night. I was up to like three AM, but like they're having this conversation. Like Jimmy G has graded well this year. His composite CPOE EPA per play is fantastic. Taking him in the playoffs, some people are picking him to upset the Cowboys. I think they're four point dogs. They win a playoff game this year. Like, what do you do with Trey Lance? You, like you, you start. You start Trey Lance next year. Is what you do? Really? I mean, you still you still move forward? Like you still like just say like, punt on Jimmy G? Jimmy G 
had 23 turnover-worthy plays this year and only 10 Big Ten throws. He still puts the ball in harm's way far too much. And it's like there's no excuse at this point. He's what, you're five with Shanahan? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like he's going to be a guy who turns the ball over too much. And with all they do in the running game, I feel like his contributions, like he's an NFL starting quarterback, but his contributions are slim to this passing offense compared to just the talent around him. I mean, like we just talked about Debo Samuel. One of the best receivers in the NFL. Talk about Brandon Ayuk, how talented he's looked despite like not getting a ton of touch in that offense. George Kittle, top three tight end in the NFL. Jawan Jennings, breakout game, monster after the catch. Like they, they have weapons there and a good running game. Like you 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 start the guy who can take you to the roof. You know? You don't start the guy who takes you to ten and six yeah. middling playoff performance. You know, I think I think yeah. I, I think turnover worthy play, big time throw ratio is obvious. I think you can't argue though that he hasn't been efficient, right? And like help, like he's kept yeah. this offense alive. Like he's kept this offense alive, and like the bar is so much higher than I originally thought for Trey Lance to come in and actually exceed beyond Jimmy G, right? Okay. Like, they, like he has to come in and like, I mean, <laughs> the bar has been raised. Jimmy G has obviously like raised the bar, and that he's yeah. got the Niners in the postseason, could go into Dallas and win a playoff game. The other thing I'll add here: one, Jared Pinkney. It was Jared Pinkney. There you go, Jared it was Pinkney. Jared Pinkney. And two, oh, RP. so obviously that's an L. A dub, what you said about Juwan Jennings, your pre, pre-draft scouting report, has been exactly right. Like He is this physical, yards after the catch guy, catches everything. He's been really good down the stretch for the San Francisco 49ers. He's not like, I mean, he's not wide receiver one or whatever, but like he's been like what you said he was coming out of Tennessee for sure. That one's, even despite the red flags, off-field red flags. I, I, I texted my Bobby Sloak about him because I had pre-draft conversations with him who's the 49ers passing coordinator. I was like, dude, Juwan Jennings breakout game. Congrats, make the playoffs. He loved it. What did uh, Sloak say? Uh, he didn't respond. He said thanks, and I said don't beat the Packers. Though. He just said thanks? Dude, he hates when you text no, him. No, oh. <laughs> he, said, he said it's going to be fun or something. I don't know. Dude, he did, he, he's sending you auto replies. That sucks, dude. Are you mm-hmm. sure you want to bring that up again? All right, Patriots and Dolphins. <laughs> um, dude, Patriots, what the hell? Why can't they win in South Beach? What is going on? Tua completed the most improbable season ever where he beat every quarterback with an O in their name and lost to everyone that didn't have an O in their name. Wait, where did you see that tweet? Or the, the Dolphins did this year. That was – that's fact. <laughs> Wait, why, did you pull that out of your ass? Or? Uh, I mean, it was, it's been going around for a while. Now. Has they, it? They've beaten every quarterback, the Dolphins this year, that had an O in their name but lost to everyone that didn't have an O in their name. Or wait. Is it vice versa? I can't no, they remember. beat Mac Jones, so Jones is the no. Or what was it? Let me go Dude, find what it. the hell are ahead. you talking about right now? <laughs> you sound like a lunatic. Do they have, Dolphins beat? You, give your take on the game. Okay. I'll, I'll just say that <laughs> Mac Jones is kind of limping in the playoffs. Yeah, he beats up the hapless Jaguars last week. But of his six lowest graded games in the season – Five have come in the past six weeks. Yeah. He's fallen off down the stretch. Yeah. For sure. I mean, Mac Jones, I think weeks one through eight was a top five graded quarterback. Weeks like nine through 18, he's like a bottom five, bottom eight graded quarterback. He's really fallen off, hitting that rookie wall. Tua Tagovailoa's stat line every single week is absurd. 15 of 22, 22 total attempts. It still only had 109 yards with a 5.0 yards per attempt. Such a low average depth of targets. So many quick game passes there. His longest pass was 17 yards. That's absurd. Still win the game. Duke Johnson, rise up. Any Duke Johnson truthers out there? 25 carries, 117, a touchdown. He has been good, good dude. He's good. 
I, Always I, been a tackle breaker out of Miami, Florida. Now back in his home state and rising, thriving. I never Dolphins. understood how he never got like a lead role somewhere. But, okay, here's the stat. Against te- teams with a quarterback that have an O in their last name, Mac Jones, Tyra Teller, Lamar Jackson, Joe Flacco, Cam Newton, Mike Lennon, Zach Wilson, Ian Book, and Mac Jones again. They beat every single one. Against every single team that didn't have a quarterback with an O in the last name, they lost to this year. <laughs> Josh Allen, David Carr, Carson Wentz, Derek Carr, excuse me. Tom Brady. That's, that's absurd. Trevor Lawrence, Matt Ryan, Josh Allen, and Ryan Tannehill. That's, that's absurd. I can't believe that's a real thing. <laughs> that's um, a real thing. This stat line can never happen again. Jalen Waddell cannot finish games with five receptions on seven targets for 27 yards. I know he found the end zone, but like that is not that is not what Waddle was built for. <laughs> you cannot be targeting him seven times and him finish with 27 yards on five receptions. The offense needs to go downfield, whether that's with two or without him. they got to find a way. Yeah, his average depth of target in the season, seven yards. Let's double that. Let's double gotta, that. You have to. You have to double that. Panthers-Bucks. The Buccaneers, I'm worried about. I don't think a crazy money line bet is the Eagles. I don't. I don't. And I know I've been, you know, against Flock Nation preseason. I said it wasn't a bad bet at plus 1,400 from the fewest losses. But the Bucks are not healthy right now. Not healthy. The Eagles are a zag to a lot of zigs out there. Run the football. Have an offensive line that can go toe-to-toe with their defensive line. This Eagles team, I'd be worried if I'm the Bucks, man. That line, I think, is too big, too. It's nine points. Bucks are favored by nine over the Eagles. In this game... Panthers are a bit of a disaster as they have been all year. Like the Bucks still roll, but I am worried about the Bucks still, even after the 41 17 win over Sam Darnold, like Sam Darnold and this bad Panthers team. I'm worried about the Bucks going in unhealthy into the postseason. Yes, that's completely different feeling than what last year Bucks going to the playoffs. Bucks going to the playoffs, it's like Vita Vea is about to come back. Tom Brady's hitting his stride with Bruce Arians. Yeah, it's like finally getting the offense. Now it's like, who the hell is he going to throw to? Are they, are they going to have anyone on the defensive side of the ball that can get after the quarterback? Like There are a lot of question marks on this Bucks team. It's going to be a gauntlet. I, I'm not necessarily sure it's this week against Philadelphia that can expose that, but it could, it could be. I mean, with that running game, they can avoid Vita Vea. You know, they, they can get away from him and run at other guys on that team with Jalen Hurts and the option attack that they can do. Like They don't have to just pound it up the gut to run the ball. So, yeah, I'm a little a little worried if I'm a Bucks fan. Man, in this game, I, I think over the past two games, I've been really impressed with how much they've been and how successful it's been targeting Rob Gronkowski. Like, he had seven receptions for 137 in this game, and I think even in the previous game, he was probably, mm-hmm. like, their most successful target. He's going to have to show up, dude. Like, they need Rob Gronkowski in a big way. To where, well, Mike Evans is, you know, obviously played in this game, but still battling some injury. And then Chris Godwin, fuck Antonio Brown on podcast now. It's, it's interesting. Uh, uh, this Bucks team, man, I don't, I don't think there is, they shouldn't be the favorite, right? I don't think they are, but they shouldn't be the favorite to win the Super Bowl. I think there's potentially better NFC teams. The road ahead, obviously, with Green Bay there. Do you want to take a guess at what Sam Darnold, so the first three weeks, Sam Darnold got crowned as, you want to crown their ass and crown them as just a, just, just a victim of a situation. You want to guess what his passing grade was after the first three weeks? It was like 91. Or no, 80. I'm saying since the first three weeks. Sorry. Oh, oh, oh. It was like 55. 43.4. Oh, my God. Only person worse is Mike Lennon. <laughs> Can we say this? It's over? 
It's over. It's we over. can't. We can't keep this going. I don't well, care it's how it's not over because he he's going to get paid next year regardless. But it's over. They have to draft quarterback. Man. I give them one in the mock draft up on the website right now. Go check it out. Love to see it. We're going to go over the mock on Wednesday. Yeah. Wednesday sewed. Mock draft season. Uh, Chargers raids. Before Here it we get, is. Before we get to Chargers raids. Before we get to Chargers raids, and then we get to fun to read, save your likes, all that stuff. One more pay the bank here. Western Southern want a chance to win the ultimate game day feast, whether it's football success or financial savvy. Winning starts with asking us questions. Would you like to know what it's like behind the scenes with Allen Sunday Night Football? How about a need to know? For your financial future, Western Southern is teaming up with PFS very own Chris Collinsworth to share insights that can help put you ahead on both your fantasy and financial scoreboards. Every submission earns you a chance to win the ultimate feast to celebrate football's favorite Sunday. We'll cover your catering up to 2500 bucks. coordinate your order from a restaurant near you, and have it delivered on February 13th, 2022. And don't forget to check out the Chris Collinsworth podcast, Western Southern's Instagram, for answers to the best questions each week. Submit your questions at westernsouthern.com slash Chris. One more time, that is westernsouthern.com slash Chris. If you're watching on YouTube, check out the link in the description below. Remember, with Western and Southern, you can rest assured on game day. <clears throat> Derek Carr did not play well in this game. Like, the Raiders' offense was not great. Red zone offense was abysmal. They had, I mean, they benefited from the worst pass interference call all season. Oh, and yeah. season so, chock full of bad pass interference calls. The Zay Jones one. The Zay Jones was about 30 yards away. Mm, that's an exact 20 yards away. That's at least 20 yards. 20 I think, yards I think away. the NGS had it at 20. 20 yards away from where the foul occurred. He, was, he probably would have uninhibited been 15 yards away <laughs> when that ball landed. <laughs> Awful. I have a hot take on that. It should have at least been illegal contact, though. If, once the ball's in the air, it's really? you know, pass interference or nothing. He like, right, so. fa- he, like, dragged his face. I feel like that has to be at least illegal contact. Well, once the ball's in the air, it doesn't. It's either pass interference or nothing. So it's, Wow. It's nothing. That's crazy. Yeah. Or I guess it's pass interference, actually, but it should Yeah. Be, so. uh, interesting. I, I wasn't that concerned with the thing because it's such an egregious contact. It was such egregious contact. Mm-hmm. I think that's why the flag was thrown, ultimately. Like they, I, the ball was obviously not catchable, but it was such egregious contact that I feel like you had to throw it. And the ref was right there. But the, the offense was not good. They benefited a ton from defensive pass interference. But it's where they did have success, though. And I have been a Josh Jacobs hater compared to ex, you know, market on him. This was one of the best games of his career. Yeah. Like, actually looked spry, actually broke tackles. I think he finished reviews with, like, 12 broken tackles in this game. Legitimately pounded his way to be the focal point of the Raiders' offense, a big reason why they were able to get in the red zone consistently and, and, and ultimately win this game down the stretch. Where do you want this game to start, right? Do you want to start on the Austin, the, the first fourth down decision that threw everyone into fucking peril? Do you want to start, have the timeout discourse on the time, you know, that's been on the timeline for a while? Go ahead and kick us I off I think the here. first fourth down is where this game started. Like to become yeah, the game of what what it was yeah a hoopla. Um, I don't mind the call. You have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. You need to score points. You know your offense kind of been hot and cold, and you need to just like need to get a touchdown. And it was should have been you know an easy conversion if you don't run a dive play, the exact same play you had just run the play before. Like, I blame the play call. That was an atrocious play call on a fourth down in your own territory. But after that, they convert then six straight fourth downs, including a 21-yarder for a touchdown, a two-point conversion, and a 12-yard touchdown with no time remaining. That wasn't on fourth down, but that is eight plays, eight must-have plays after that that they converted on 
all of them, and if they don't convert on any of them, they lose that game. Or if they miss one of those eight plays, they lose that game, which is insane why that game was out of this world. But I I think a lot of people are going to harp on that fourth down in the third quarter. That was – I probably wouldn't have done that myself. Or, I mean, if I would have done it, you give the ball in Herbert's hands. Or at least have him like – and if you're going to put the ball in Herbert's hands, I would even give him as a runner. I would trust him an option before I just want to throw the ball right up the – not throw the ball, run the ball right up the gut with Austin Eckler. You know? I don't know. So blame that. I do think, though, my God, you know who looked – who, like, wasn't liability in this game? Kenneth Murray. Oh, my gosh. Got torched on the – now, getting torched on the over out that was overthrown by Derek Hart early. That was kind of a tough one where it's like a cover two concept and you're running this – the that whatever the what the fuck the tunnel with a wide receiver when you're a linebacker that's tough but like they draft him there because he runs a four five because he should be able to stick with a wide receiver and he couldn't and then the pass interference that he had later in the game was just like two hand shove you know trying to make up ground that was that's a tough play like they need upgrades in the middle of that defense badly because going to that last drive the raiders were trying or were willing to run the ball out, kick a, whatever, 60-yard field goal, and end the tie. But they give up that massive run. Like, after the timeout call, which I think the timeout call is getting overblown, mm-hmm. he called timeout because they knew they are going to run and wanted a better look to stop the run. Like, to the, the force race, a longer field yeah, goal. And it was like, like three, seconds left on the, three seconds left on the play clock. It wasn't... No call timeout so we can get the ball back. It's no call timeout so we stop this run. You know, so we have because if right... they stop that run, they they force the tie. Exactly. Regardless, like you're forcing a very long field goal that they might not even take. Yeah, you know, they might not even risk a block or return, knowing that they're going to the playoffs either way. So I think a lot of laws being made of that timeout when they were in shotgun, they weren't going to kneel down like people are saying. Austin Eckler said after the game. They weren't kneeling down on that play. They might have knelt on fourth down, but they weren't kneeling down on that play. You got to just stop that run, you know? Like you, And that has kind of been the Chargers' MO all season, just too soft up the middle. Their defense tackles, defense shit, defense line outside of Joey Bosa and their linebackers. Kenneth Murray, one of the lowest graded players in this game. Jerry Tillery did not have a good game in this one either. Former Golden Domer, friend of the show. Dude, I don't know how he plays so many fucking snaps. There. I mean, it's indicative of how little talent they have along their defensive tackle position. But he played... I think like fifth most snaps in a defense tackle in the NFL. But 850 snaps this year. <laughs> Why? <laughs> it's bad. It's down. They're down. They're down bad. Yeah. Uh, obviously, a lot of people made much of the Max Crosby versus Storm Norton baptism. That was uh, they. I don't know why they were not giving him more help. A little bit down the stretch, they did. But man, like, two minute drills and like shit like that. You just, you usually don't have chips involved. Like you have to call. Like you know, you're gonna have to call that after the fact or add those in after the fact. The quarterback. What gets lost on this, right? Derek Carr does not play well. Raiders win off of Max Crosby. Josh Jacobs playing well. Casey Hayward playing well. Trevor Merrick was a high grade game. But like Justin Herbert, holy God, dude, he was awesome. Chargers went six of seven on fourth downs after the Austin Eckler disaster. That's the issue, right? Six going six. for it. Going for it. Yeah, six of six. Sorry. Six of six on fourth downs. They went six of seven in the game. The only one they missed is when on third down, they ran it with Austin Eckler up the gut. And then on fourth down, they ran it with Austin Eckler up the gut. Yeah. And you look at the win probabilities. I think it was like a 2.7 win probability added difference according to PFS model. So a go for it situation for the chargers. But how much of that is that hoping that Lombardi calls a pass? Like like it's so much different when Herbert has the ball versus when Eckler and you're trying to lean on Matt Filer and that offensive line, like the, Mm -hmm. that matters, dude, like that 100% matters. And 
Now you have Michael Lombardi. Do you see this? There's no owner I've worked for in the NFL that would have kept Brandon Staley after this season. That's ridiculous. That's ludicrous. He's been railing against him all year. He's really? got an axe grind, yeah. Okay. I don't know well, regardless, I, I, don't, I don't bring Brandon Staley for the fourth down decision. The, the play call was rough. I don't necessarily, and I don't think the timeout. I think the timeout thing has been overblown as well, right? I mean, this has been. It's just still. I don't think the everyone's like, man, Chargers really whiffed. But like next year, year three of Justin Herbert. Obviously, you can make improvements defensively. You need to make improvements defensively. You still really like the Chargers, man. They gotta. They'll find a way. They'll find a way. Raiders, meanwhile, gonna have a big win over the Bengals this weekend, and I can't wait to see it. Literally, can't wait to see it. Let's get to the fun to reads. Yes. Fun to reads. Reminder, fun to reads is any take that's just literally trash on Twitter that we just have to discuss. Quinn preps the graphics on YouTube. So if you listen on the podcast or li- listen on Inc- on your podcast, I don't even know how I say this. If you don't watch the podcast on YouTube, you won't be able to see the graphics. But you should go to YouTube and check out the graphics because graphics are dope. Quinn puts in a really, really big effort. Are we ready? First one. It's this Dave Rapacio guy who's draw play dave who like i like his content normally i don't think it, i think he's a fun follow on twitter he does like cartoons for the nfl yeah but the hilarious thing is he does another kneecap joke he tweets out if the lions win against the packers i'll draw dan campbell eating aaron Rodgers' kneecaps and he does 2400 likes for this one that one's the that one's like it that should be the, stop the climax it has climax, to be the low max What's the opposite? I like Climax. I like Lomax. It's the Lomax of the Dan Campbell knee jokes. This is Stop it. it. This, this is no, it. This is it. That's it. We're done. It has to stop. It has to be if this gets carried into next year, the society has an issue. <laughs> People need to figure it out. It's not that funny. It's not that funny. <laughs> um, next one. Kevin Clark. This is incredible. So I'm blocked by the Carr brothers on Twitter. So I don't get to see David Carr or Derek Carr's tweets. But Kevin Clark, thankfully, has a screenshot. David Carr tweeted out a while ago. This is one we missed. This is a fun to read that we missed, but now it's even more. When the Raiders make the Super Bowl this year, I will argue successfully, I might add, that not only is Derek the MVP, I will make the case that there's never been a more valuable player. That is sensational because... That's like the start of like a formal paper, you know, like in yeah. college, how you're, you're writing a persuasive argument, like you're in a law class. When there, I will argue successfully, I might add, that Derek is the MVP, and there has never been, dude, never been. Never with caps. A more valuable player in the NFL. That's – uh, I wonder if he's take. biased. Here's my he's take on biased. that. Yeah, here's my take on that. You can't tweet that shit if your last name is Carr. Like you can't like uh, has TJ Watt or JJ Watt ever tweeted anything like that ever? Like they've obviously been like very congratulatory and like biased and like he's been awesome, but like no one's they're never like you know captaining these like just absurd takes. Like JJ Watt's not going to go out and tweet like TJ Watt does not just deserve Defensive Player of the Year. He deserves a fucking key to Roger Goodell's house after this season for what he did. Like it's just like very like appropriate. Reactions and Derek Carr, David Carr is also an analyst, right? Like JJ Watt still plays football. Like David Carr is an analyst to come out and say most valuable player ever with your last name is just kind of insane. Like you're just that tweet's always going to look crazy. It's always going to look absurd. That doesn't mean he because there is some merit to like Derek Carr bringing this team to the playoffs. Even puts some like 
more in the MVP conversation than like anyone would have thought of five weeks ago. But like most valuable player ever, are you, are you high? Yeah. He has the most fumbles of any player since 2014. I think he has one of the, some of the most turnovers of any player this year. We, we don't have to argue the merits. <laughs> Everyone listening understands this is not a serious conversation. All right, should we get to the field weights? Yates one next? Oh, yeah. This one's this was arguably a cake pants moment of the week. Oh, we'll be able to hear this, too, because we got the headphones. Let's yeah. go. So it's like a trivia question. That may have been a disaster audio-wise. That was a disaster audio-wise. But, but essentially, can I read it? I'll read it. Yeah. Essentially, there was a late a girl. It's like a kid. Yeah. It's a kid getting interviewed for like a fan question in the game. You've seen yes. this if you've so, been in the game. Yeah. At Jacksonville. At Jacksonville, where they're asking like, who is this player that was picked in the third round or whatever for the Jags? And the kid's response is, see, fire bulky. That is sensational. Even though you can't pick it up on the audio that we played, and I apologize for that, that is sensational that that kid just went off. I mean, that was that was incredible. The whole scene in Jacksonville this weekend was a zoo. <laughs> and it's like, it's why the NFL's king did. I mean, the fact that the Colts, I saw Kevin Clark tweet this out too. Like Carson Wentz collapse in front of a Jaguars team that's literally the worst in the NFL from a record standpoint, where fans are wearing clown masks. Clown masks, yeah. And you lost as a 15.5-point favorite. That's just a disaster. Like, literally, they can't even write books about that. It just has to happen. This next one's Ross Tucker, who's I think is a friend of the show. I think he might have been on this podcast Mm -hmm. before. But he tweets out, not sure who needs to hear this, but this is the best song going right now. And I'm not the most musically inclined, but I even knew that this song's old as shit. (laughs) It is... Uh, Mood by Ian Dior and 24 Karat Golden. I don't even know how to sound, pronounce the name. But it came out July 24th, 2020. And oh, he's got it. Quinn's oh. got the song. You we're prob- we're probably surely heard it. But yeah, it's a great song. I loved it when it came out. That was, that was a regular at the pool. When did it come Last out? Last summer, 2020, when it came out. And very classic old man tweet. And it's like crazy that. You know, Ross Tucker, former NFL player, has kids, very much a dad, but like that he felt compelled to be like, this is the best song right now. It's, it's incredible. Uh, may I pray that I never, but I know I will someday get to that point. You will. You yeah. will. All right. Jenna Lane, ESPN. This one I did not see live. This one's a bit wild. Ava Louise. So Ava Louise, the women claiming Antonio Brown smuggled her into the team hotel. That was the story of one of the billion stories on IG or on Twitter. Posted this on IG. Ironically, she started an internet challenge by licking an airplane toilet seat in 2020, calling it the coronavirus challenge. She posts Buccaneers test your team. So she gets COVID COVID test. Yeah. So she gets COVID essentially blaming AB for it. I mean, she was licking toilet seats. This this is not even fun to read. This is just absurd. A- Antonio Brown is a content machine. We thought we thought Urban Meyer was a content machine. Antonio Brown said, "Hold my beer." This guy just came out and just has done 
just absurdities. We really should have broken out the podcast. He was down more because there were some incredible lines on it. When he had a moment of silence for himself and he's called himself the best receiver in the NFL and like the dudes he was on with. Who were those guys? And I get that like they want the access. They want to get Antonio Brown on their podcast. Like it behooves them to get these dudes on there. But they give him a moment of silence and then they're like, yep. Yep, you are the best, AB. Just like yes, man, in his corner. It's just like, dude. <laughs> what would you have done? What would you have done if you had Antonio Brown on the podcast? We had him right here, sitting right here. And he's like, can I get a moment of silence? I would have fucking said, sure. <laughs> I would have definitely, definitely said, yeah. I kind of need to know now. I would have been silent. Can I we would, get him on, Saul? Can we get, can we reach out to AB's people? I'll, I'll ask Dave. I'll ask Dave if we can get Antonio Brown on. I want him in studio, though. Anything yeah. via Zoom is just not worth it. Get him Pick in studio and uh, let him Maybe the Bengals will sign him. <laughs> All right, last fun to read here, fun to watch. Uh, no, fun to read. Fun to read. Matt Rule in this video, and this one I think does have better audio, gets asked why the team felt compelled to sign Sam Darnold, the fifth-year option, and here's what, how he responds. Um, um, bringing him here to be the starter, you know, knowing that if he had a great year that he, you know, he would – he would be a high, high you know, high price guy, and if 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 he's a starter at that number, that's 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 low end starter money. So um, that was a decision made. Um, uh, it was a collective decision, and you know, um, uh, I can't have much more to say than that. To be honest with you. Wow! If you if you just listen to it, it sounded absurd. But when you watch it, the guy looks like. I mean, he. That's a tough. That was a tough break right everyone though i feel like everyone knows exactly the feelings going through you made a decision that turned out to be objectively bad and poor decision and you're trying to do everything but say i fucked up you know you're trying to do everything but going full jill because you can't right the future he's still on the team exactly yeah exactly like you're trying to do everything but say this was awful like you're trying to basically skirt responsibility in any way shape or form you can at the moment because you really like you said you really can't just be like yeah it was a disaster we never should have done it i hate that we did that because again he's on the team he's gonna be on the team next year and but just like the his face the way he's like shaking his head it's just you hate you hate it yeah but it's a cringy he, he does need to just say it was a mistake yeah it was. But I don't think you can make that call. But again, it's like the, the mistake was the trade because it was what you had to do once you made the trade. I guess you didn't technically have to do it. But you made that trade and gave up that much draft capital under the assumption that you could fix him. You yeah. didn't fix him. So that's on you. Yeah, because you, you have to make a decision then. on the fifth-year option that offseason, right? And I think if you do, you're already trading a second-round pick for him. You have to hope that you're – oh, wow. You have to hope that he's there for more than one year. You didn't trade a second-round pick just for him to play one year. So they make the decision to extend him now, being asked why you did that after he plays like one of the worst seasons you've seen down the stretch. <laughs> it's a tough situation that Matt rules in. How would you have answered that though? I don't I mean it's a tough one to bring, right? I mean, you can't just say, yeah, that was a mistake. Sam Darnold stinks. He's our starter next year. I mean, you, I would have said after the trade we made, we had to do it. This doesn't look great now. You know? Yeah, I, I would, yeah, I think you <laughs> have like, to say you don't trade a second round process. pick for yeah. one year yeah. of a quarterback play. Yeah, we needed to commit to man long term. So far, it hasn't looked so good. <laughs> I mean, you can say that. So far, he hasn't played well. Yeah. I mean, that actually, you know what? Hire me, Carolina. <laughs> All right, save Crisis your likes. Management. Save your likes. Formerly fun to watch. Watch. This is where we look at non takes on Twitter or fun to watch 
claims on Twitter. Which is the king of the non-takes. The king of non-takes. And discuss. This is one where we've had Green Bay Packers fans hating us, which is rough to see when we said Mercedes Lewis was not fun to watch. But let's start with Michelle Magdzik. You're close. Handle is Ball Blossom. I love how many people tag us in these. You have to tag us, by the way. Tag us when you see someone say fun to watch. She says there isn't a defender more fun to watch than TJ Watt. 71 likes. 71 likes. Save your likes, people. Fun to watch is not a take. Fun to watch. And TJ Watt is fun to watch. Guess what? Watching a player... I'd rather watch Micah Parsons, personally, but... Fair, fair, fair. Watching a player that gets 22 and a half sacks in a season is fun to watch. Watching a player that is in the contention will win. Defensive player of the year is fun to watch. Anyway... On to Benjamin Solak, who this guy is the king of fun to watch. I think he's been on this a handful of times. Got a couple of tags for this one. Debo Samuel is inexplicable. It's a weekly tweet at this point. There is simply not a single player in the league more fun to watch. 389 likes. That's absurd. That one I'm I'm upset about. That's a lot of likes for just a lot of word salad. There, there isn't a player more fun to watch than Debo Samuel, which is fine. It's just not a take. It's just not a take. Let's get to Colin Cowherd. We got multiple tags in this one. I, I do agree, though. I just say Debo is fun. Debo That's is fun. fun to watch. Not sure I've ever liked a bad team more than the Lions. Never quit. Some playmakers. <laughs> Some. <laughs> Some playmakers is also a fan. Not a fantastic take. Yeah. Trick plays. He doesn't even he doesn't say they run trick plays. They just have them. Trick plays. Fighting their butts off. Fun to watch. 15,000 likes for saying the Lions have some playmakers, trick plays, and fun to watch. Coward's also addicted to fun to watch. He's 100% I think addicted. he's been on eight or so times. I need to look up a from Colin Cowherd fun to watch real quick just this, to see this what he last has. tweet, though. This last tweet, though. Okay. Let me handle this last You handle Because this one. one was an opus of fun to watch. This one's just peak. It is from Jason Wilde, the uh, – I believe he's in Wisconsin somewhere. He's a radio guy in Wisconsin. He said, so glad I stayed up for this. So much fun to watch. And how that got 184 likes when it's like, yeah, the game of the year. It, it, like the, Hands down the most exciting game uh, in the final week of the season with a playoff spot riding on it. Those 184 people should – I guess it says 180 there, but now it's up to 184. I want to. I question your Twitter usage. I question it. Save your likes. Colin Cowherd, Save by the way, has called the Lions, Case Keenum, Taylor Heineke. Um, there's a handful of other ones here. Trubisky, Andrew Luck, mm. all fun to watch in like the last three years. <laughs> it's absurd. This uh. is absurd. Anyway, uh, that's it for the fun to watch segment. Uh, an incredible segment as it continues to go. We got to get that sponsored. Sponsored by somebody. Who was your that rookie was of the week to close out the show? My rookie of the week, Trevor Lawrence. This one saved his best for last. Like I said, what a game. The he's also the cake pants moment of the week because when he had that botch uh, that botch snap, gets the ball back, throws the touchdown to Marvin Jones. I was like, holy shit, this is actually gonna happen. Like, this Jaguars game is actually going to win. Now, there's a lot of cake pants moments in the Raiders game as well. But that one, 85.1 passing grade for Trevor Lawrence. Had not had a grade higher than 76.5 the rest of the season. By far and away his best game against one of the best defenses he faced. It's very, very improbable. But, Jags fans, be excited going forward. On the flip side, Black of the Week with Zach Wilson. That was ugly. Yeah. Cake, cake, the cake your pants moment for me was when Josh Jacobs picked up that first down. Oh, yeah. When he that picked was, up that first like, down. 
candy or like money in the bank then. That was Miss yeah. it, make it, yeah. lowest stakes. I was like, time. it was it. We were in. We did it. Yeah. We won. And I just did not want the Raiders to tie. That was the thing. Like everyone's like, oh, they could play for the tie. Rick Basaccia plays for the tie there. They get blown out by the Chiefs narrowhead. You have to yeah. want, you would, would so much rather go to Cincy. Like so much rather go to Cincy. Yeah, the fact so. that anyone was even like, well, they could just kneel it here. Yeah, you kneel it. You sign your death wish. You sign a death wish against Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Anyway, exciting pod, man. Fun stuff. We'll get out. Fun to watch even. Next pod will be Wednesday. We'll record Tuesday evening. But if you are interested in more me, you're on the college football playoff show too, right? No. Oh, never mind. Just me. I'm on the college football playoff show tonight, Monday, before the college football playoff airs, obviously. Eric, I think, is going to eat Skyline Chili. Anthony Trash is going to get bathed in butter. Should be quite the treat. But until next time, Austin Gale, Mike Renner, tailgate.